Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. So here we are. Our air is getting worse. You know, the forests are going to be cut down. Mm-hmm. We have a, a man who seems to encourage wanton destruction of our natural resources. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, a person who's been uh, had a couple of major roles in the uh, activities of our governmental life. One that I was startled uh, when I read the uh, memoir by uh, Doris Haddock with Dennis Burke. It was uh, her activity in Alaska when the United States government wanted to test hydrogen bombs at Point Hope, Alaska. They thought that the only people who were in the way were Inuits and Eskimos. And what could it harm to just blow up some snow and ice with a hydrogen bomb? And so uh, she was a group of activists who uh, got the, uh, the communities of the far north the far north region involved over a couple of years and, and uh, brought about a halt to that. And then recently she completed a walk <coughs> across uh, the United States in her 90th year, walking 3,200 miles, 10 miles a day. She wore out four pair of shoes. She also uh, has emphysema and uh, arthritis, but nevertheless she, uh, she did this. And uh, all in support of campaign finance reform. She has a number of stories and I'd like to invite her and Dennis Burke her, her co-author up here to join us here at West Coast Live. Please welcome Granny D, author of Walking Across America. Thank you very much for, uh, did you walk here today? No. <laughs> no, it's too tired. Right. Now, how old are you now? I'm 91. 91, oh, yeah. right. and, and And Dennis Burke, how old are you? 53. And how much of the walk did you do with her? As little as possible. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, there was a support van often driving in front of her or behind her. And the sag wagon. That's right, and often, oftentimes that was my duty. And driving the support and, and applauding as she would walk by. Oh, so you did the driving? Yes, oftentimes, yes. <laughs> oftentimes. And the, the genesis of, the, of this book, your memoirs, your, your daily journal of this, of this walk uh, that became this book, um, was it uh, your idea, Granny's idea? Uh, she kept a journal, and, uh, at, at, and as I peeked over her shoulder and looked at it, I said, Doris, I think you have a book there. So uh, she worked long after everyone else had collapsed. Uh, if they were walking with her, uh, she was still up two hours a night uh, writing in her journal of the day's adventures. So uh, I, I could see that uh, a lot of people would like to read that someday. Well, I sa- he, he said, what are you going to do after you finish the walk? How are you going to get your message out if you had a book? then you would be able to go on a book tour. So here, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> so are you uh, satisfied with what the, the Congress is up to in terms of uh, campaign finance reform? Well, it could be better, but it could be worse. So what, what could be uh, better? Well, we could have that uh, McCain-Feingold bill passed in the House as well as in the Senate. And if all of you would please call your representative and say, we want that bill passed, it would be a great big help. There was, a, there was a, an experience, uh, you, were, you were in Arizona and you tried to call on uh, one of the senators there 
who seemed to uh, dodge you. Yes, Mitch McConnell. He said... But that was Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Oh, oh, yes. Well, Kyle, I don't know why he was afraid of me. I'm just a little old lady. You know? <laughs> I really didn't understand that. But he refused to come out and talk with me. He didn't want to be photographed with you? No, apparently not. <laughs> how, how did he vote on the bill? Oh, against it, of course. Yes, yes. So the idea of the, of the walk occurred to you when you were at home in New Hampshire? Yes, it did. Uh, we had, I, I was with a group of old ladies, all younger than I am, of course. I'm always the oldest everywhere. <laughs> and uh, so we, we sent out um, petitions all across the country saying, we beg that we, the people, request that you enact uh, a law for, against for campaign finance reform at your earliest convenience. And all, and all the letters were to be sent to the uh, senators. The senators sent back a, well, a, a cookie-cutter letter saying, dear little old ladies, don't worry yourself about this. We're taking care of it. <laughs> and within two months, the McCain-Feingold bill was uh, filibustered on the Senate floor. So I realized something had to be done. And you know, I was then 88. And I thought, what does it matter at 88? You know, if you can give your, uh, yourself a, a good cause, why not do it? And I had a son who was very, very helpful. Of course, when you get to be my age, your son becomes your parent. <laughs> and you do what he tells you to do. What was his advice to you? His advice to me was uh, that if I would follow a regime which he would set up, then I could go. And what did he prescribe? Well, I had to walk 10 miles a day, uh, six days a week. I had to be able to sleep on the ground in a, a sleeping bag. And that's all right, that's easy enough to do, except when you're my age, you have to get out two or three times in the night. <laughs> That was hard. <laughs> and, and then he said that, um, oh, I, I, sla I ate um, a trail mix for a week, bird seed. Yes. How'd you adjust to that? Dreadful stuff. <laughs> but it keeps, you, it keeps you alive. Yeah. It keeps you alive, yeah. Right. So you, you spent a year walking around your, your town, 10 miles a day, yeah. nine months. Uh, what sort of comments did you get from your, your neighbors? My God, what is she up to? <laughs> but but they, they all learn about uh, um, campaign finance reform because <laughs> they stopped and asked, what are you doing? I told them. <laughs> How many people do you reckon you spoke to uh, across the country? I mean, ex exclusive of all your radio and television interviews that, that you did. I mean, people you'd, you know, mechanics you'd meet, people in homes that you'd, you'd visit. Well, at first, uh, I would be able to uh, walk 20-minute walk miles. But as I, be, people began calling each other uh, ahead, and I would find little groups that were waiting for me along the road. So I, I, it would be necessary for me to stop and talk with all these people. That's what I was out there for. So uh, it, it would be, uh, we started before the sun was up, because it was very hot. And, in Texas, four months in Texas. Four months in Texas? Yeah, with, with a temperature between 100 and 105. 
And uh, it would be sometimes five hours before I'd be through with the 10 miles. So I can't tell you how, ma how many people that I, walked all, I talked with all together, but a great, great many. I can give you some numbers. I think uh, in terms of the petitions that you brought to Washington, there were over 20,000 signatures, plus there were 2,300 people walking with her at that time. So that was uh, an entourage of people who just joined her. What was the, what was the basic size of sort of the, your production staff? Oh, uh, two or three. It, it, well, she, she was pretty good about uh, collecting people as she went, um, <laughs> and I, I'm among them. Uh, so, but there was always two or three people uh, within, uh, within the immediate crowd who were either working the, uh, the communities up ahead to make sure that they knew she was coming or uh, talking to the press, that sort of thing. So she's pretty good um, putting together a kitchen, kitchen cabinet as she goes. And she's also a good problem solver. When we ran into too much snow um, in the last legs of the Appalachian coming down towards Washington, uh, it was too, there was too much snow on the highways to walk, so she sent for her old cross-country skis and did 100 miles uh, along the old CNO Canal. This was in February of 2000, right? Okay. February of 2000, January, February of 2000. Yes, yes, right. So you started out in Pasadena. You yes. chose sort of a southern route, probably for clement weather, mostly, I think. What, uh, what, how did you get a sense of the people across the country. Did you, did you notice regional differences from Pasadena on through Arizona, Texas, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio? Well, they all are unhappy. You know, only 50% of the people that can vote are voting today. And when I asked, why are you not voting, if they said they were, they said, there's no one to vote for. There's no one that, I, that believes in what I believe in, so why should I bother? And they said, uh, that's, there's no access to, our, and to the uh, senators or to our representatives as there used to be in the old days. You know, this situation has not been as flagrant as it is today, uh, only maybe 10 years, 10, 15 years, that it's been so bad that so much money is in the process. So much money has to be, a man today, if he's poor, must sell his soul in order to run for office. Or he has to be a multimillionaire. And the criteria of running for an office and winning it is who can get the most money. When you, uh, when you walked into Washington, uh, other uh, uh, senators wanted to gather around you. Here was an opportunity to be photographed with the famous Granny D. Um, were there any people who walked with you who then voted against the campaign finance reform bill? No. <laughs> Only those. <clears throat> I did not get any resistance all along the country, and I think it was because those who didn't believe in what I was walking for just didn't bother coming around. I think I can remember only one person who stopped in the car and stuck his head out and said, I don't believe in what you're doing. I don't believe in your cause, but I think you've got a lot of grit to keep on walking. <laughs> the, um, what, uh, when, as, a, as a youngster, were you a, an active kid? I, would, I wouldn't say. Well, yes, I guess perhaps you would say I was. I was one of five, and I came second, and the second girl, it's very sad. Second girl, yeah. So it puts why, why is the second girl sad? Well, because they expect a boy, right? So then you have to keep trying. Pretty soon you've got five children, four girls and one boy. <laughs> Tough going. So 
so I always had to fight my way and, and with my parents who were working parents and from the time I was 13 I guess I took care of, of children and you know worked. I wouldn't say I had any uh, activities in the way of social activities at that time. But, but you didn't uh, regularly you know, go out and, and uh, I don't know, play baseball or, or soccer through the... Well, we didn't, uh, girls didn't play baseball or soccer in those days, my goodness. <laughs> you know, I'm 91 years old, and I've seen one-third of American history. And we didn't have, uh, and we walked to school, and it was many miles. And we didn't have radio or TV. Well, there were two cars in our town. Uh, I was 13 years old before I was ever in an automobile. And we went out to the barn, to the tool holder. We had no, we had, didn't have flush toilets. We didn't, we had a pump. We didn't have running water. So I've seen a great deal of history. And, but it was work, a work ethic among, in those days, yes. My, uh, my grandmother had a, had a book that was kind of, it was called The So-Called Good Old Days. Mm. And it was mostly an analysis of all sort of the, the lovely glowing image and then the reality of what life was in the early part of the century, which could be quite hard. Yes, that's very true. But as soon as we, as soon as we were able to have electric, my husband was very much in favor of giving uh, all kinds of things in the kitchen and in the house. So we really, electricity, we really used it. <laughs> well, we're, we're gonna make do without electricity here in California in the near future. You know, uh, you come down, you come down into New York or any one of these big cities, and it's so beautiful. Lights, lights everywhere. But then you think, think of the waste. How much energy there is being used just to have all these lights on. They're not needed for anything. Great high-rises with lights all through them. We were taught to turn off the light when you went from one room to another. Well, that's, those buildings are lit up so pedestrians won't accidentally knock into them in the middle of the night. I can understand that. So what, what took you to Alaska to, on the, to, to keep the hydrogen bomb from being exploded there? Well, there was, a, there was a young man who was a missionary there, and he was very upset about what was happening. You know, when they, when they cracked the atom, uh, the, the scientists realized that they had done something released this power that was a very dangerous thing. And they immediately <laughs> began thinking, how can we use this <coughs> for good? And uh, Ed Teller thought that um, it would be nice to put a, uh, another, uh, in place of the Panama Canal, down in Honduras. And he thought if he could find a place to do it, he could prove that if he put one bomb in after the other in a, in a ditch, <clears throat> explode them, you would be able to have another Pan Panama Canal, which they needed, they thought. So he looked all over the world, and he found this place called um, Point Hope. And not too far from it, it visible from where Point Hope was, a place called Ugator Creek. And he said, I could put the bombs in there, and I would give these people a harbor. Of course, the fact that it would be ice-bound for nine months, and there was no reason for the harbor anyway, <laughs> ha had nothing to do with his plan. 
and they... Not to mention it would be kind of radioactively hot. Yes, right, right. So it meant this young missionary could see he had two more years. And he, he had a child, two children, and he could see that uh, it was really going ahead. And if he could just get down to the States, he'd be able to help get something to solve this. And, and so he exchanged parishes with our minister. And our minister was sometimes in advance over his, his parishioners. He was always looking for a place to hide once it was almost time for him to be booted out. <laughs> so he exchanged parishes with this, this young man, missionary. And this young missionary uh, got my husband interested. And we mounted a grassroots effort and were able to hold that uh, experiment back for two years. And then Kennedy met Khrushchev, and they agreed no more underground um, experimentation and so forth. But I, as I recall, one of the other issues of this was that there was some considerable disregard for the people who lived there as well, that they, they weren't sort of considered people, or the people that could just be moved out of the way easily. Yes, they were not white people. The Eskimos do not consider, and this Eskimo, uh, this Eskimo village was thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And if you look at Alaska, you will see a little point that goes out that's nearest to Russia. That's Point Hope. And they lived there for many, many years because uh, it was where they could collect whale. And they lived on whale, whale meat. It's pretty interesting stuff to eat. We were there. <laughs> we were there for a week. And um, was that muktuk? Muktuk. Yeah. yeah. It was. I was very happy to have a, um, a supply of peanuts on hand. <laughs> so, Point Hope, Alaska, and this walk across the country for campaign finance reform. Those have been your two big protests. I would say so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the rest of that time, you raised family. Well, yes. I, well, I had did small things. I, I never felt uh, that if something fell in your lap and it was something you could do something about, I did it. But this, this walk was, uh, I, was my initiation. And, uh, would, you, would, would, you, would you dream at night on, on the walk? Well, I, I think I dreamed as I walked. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So I began reminiscing about the past. I was quite depressed because I had lost my husband and my uh, longest, uh, oldest and dearest woman friend. And uh, when, th when uh, this great experiment of, with, the, with, the, uh, um, with the senators didn't work out, I realized that I was pretty depressed about this. So my son was going to, to um, uh, Florida, and he was going to fish and hunt in the Everglades. So he said, come with me. You're depressed. Come with me, and I'll put you off at, at, uh, with your sisters. So I did. And in Florida, there was a, a man, an old man, walking along the road, and he had a sack, and he had a cane. And I said, what in God's name is that old man doing out here in the middle of nowhere? And my son said, he's on the road again. I said, you mean like uh, Kerouac? He says, yes. I said, you mean like Willie Nelson? He said, yes. So I said, you know, 
that's what I could do. I could go on the road again. Doris Haddock, known as Granny D. So, I mean, that, that when either of us are 90, we should be in such good shape to be able to do this. Uh, yeah, actually, she's surpassed me. I could never keep up with her on the road. Uh, I think uh, uh, 10 miles a day, it gets to, uh, gets to you at any age, and uh, two and a half days of that would usually put most, most volunteers, including me, under, and she would keep going. You, what was your job before you, uh, you hooked up with Granny D? I was then and still am involved in reform politics in Arizona, and she walked through our desert uh, on our issue, and we thought it would be unseemly to have a then-89-year-old lady die on our ground for our issue, so I... <laughs> I called her, uh, somehow got a hold of her son and said, how, how is she going to get across the Mojave and the Arizona deserts? And he said in his New Hampshire accent, you tell me. And, <laughs> and that's how we are recruited. So you had people looking, after, looking out after you. For, you, had, you had many sort of angels looking out after you on your trip. I had angels, human angels, all the way. It was incredible. It really was. I traveled, of course, as a pilgrim, walking until given shelter, fasting until given food. And I never went without a meal, and I never s slept without a bed. There was a, a walking companion of yours who had to leave because he was a strict vegetarian and couldn't always find vegetarian food everywhere. Well, he was not only a vegetarian, he was a vegan. <laughs> well, we know vegan here in Berkeley. So, he would, walk, he would walk, walk along eating. He ate all day long. But very little, no. That, that bird seed that I had trained on. And bananas. And in the desert, it was very difficult to get anything for him. He said one day, if I eat another bat, banana, I'm going to die. <laughs> and he got thinner and thinner, and finally... <laughs> Many lessons from this walk across the country. Doris Haddock. Thank you very much for being here with us on West Coast Live. Thank you for having us. And Dennis Burke. Thank you for helping to write the book. Thank you. The book is called Granny D, Walking Across America, My 90th Year, published by Villard. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.